Welcome to the New Beginnings Community Church Podcast. Here at NBCC, we welcome the imperfect, flawed, and broken, as much as the healing and thriving, because we are all God's children. We hope you enjoyed this week's message. Well, good morning, everybody. How are you doing today? It's good to have you with us today. Uh, If it's your first time with us, hey, God bless you guys. Thanks for coming out on this Resurrection Sunday. And, um, you know, we're just uh, grateful that you chose to be with us today, those of you watching online with us this morning. And um, we have been, my name is Jim Del Campo, by the way, if I didn't say that, I'm the senior pastor here. And, uh, you know, it's the, I was thinking about it this morning that this will be my, my 31st uh, Resurrection Sunday message here at New Beginnings because we're 31 years old. And it's like, you know, well, look. Yeah, you clap, but imagine my position having to come up with something different every year when it's the same message. <laughs> Anybody know that kind of pressure right there? I, uh, so, um, but, um, but we've been in this series um, here at New Beginnings, and it's uh, called The Final Act. And today uh, is the final message of the series. What we've done is we've taken the last week of Jesus' life And every Sunday, we took a day in that week. We started with the Palm Sunday, then Monday, Tuesday. went through the week. And today, obviously, it culminates with the resurrection of Jesus. Now, with that said, uh, I need to do something completely different this morning. And uh, those of you who are regular New Beginnings attenders, uh, and we hope the rest of you would become regular New Beginnings attenders, those who regularly watch us online from home, um, I'm going to ask you for five minutes of your time. Those regular tenders, those regular watch at home, um, you can take a five-minute siesta, play on your phone. I really don't. You do whatever you want to do for five minutes, okay? But I need those five minutes um, because I need to talk to somebody, maybe one or two or a handful here or online and I need, I need to say this because we're talking on the resurrection this morning and um, I, I've gotten this statement at me a couple of times in my lifetime and the statement is something like this. It says, they say, I, I just can't believe that anyone could rise from the dead. And you know, it's a legitimate question. It's a very good question. How could somebody rise from the dead? I mean, you think about You know, as a Christian, somebody hearing that for the first time, are you out of your mind? And so I want to pretend that, you know, whoever you are, if you are here at home, I want to pretend that we're sitting down um, across from each other, someplace, at a coffee shop, wherever, we're one-on-one, and and you've heard me do this from time to time, regular attenders, but I I want to share with you what I would do, because I don't want to go into a message talking about the resurrection, and I've never addressed the issue maybe in your mind, that I don't believe that somebody could rise from the dead because that's an impossibility at, in, in at first glance. So let me tell you how I broached the topic and how I, I weave my way into that. If somebody says that to me and I have the time and they will listen to how I do that. You, you guys want me to do is that okay? Because you could take, like I said, a five-minute nap. It's okay if you want to do that. So let's just pretend you just told me that because now it's the issue now of evidence. Is there a God and of power? If there is a God, does this God have the power to raise Jesus Christ, the Son, the God-man, from the dead? 
So let me, let me take you, and I, and I answer it not with my Bible. In case you were thinking, you're going to use the Bible. I'm not going to use the Bible. I'll use the Bible when I get to the three points today in the crux of the message. But here's how I approach it. I approach it from science and not Christian scientists, just science, period. So here's what I would do if I'm sitting across from you. And because, you see, Christianity is not a blind faith. I don't just say, well, just believe it. No, it's an evidence-based faith. There's evidence for what we believe. So here's what I, here's what I do. I say, well, in 1965, something happened. Something happened that these two scientists were not looking for. Their names are Penzias and Wilson. And they found, they came upon by accident, the background radiation of cosmic radiation, what in layman's term is the, uh, the original afterglow of the Big Bang, when the universe actually began, the moment the universe began. They discovered this, that the universe actually has a beginning. Once there was nothing, and then boom, then there was something. Now you and I both know you can't get something from nothing, but that's exactly what happened. That's literally what happened. And when their discovery, this is no, no slaps, they got the Nobel Prize. That's a big, big deal, guys. That was a major discovery in the last century. Now, what it changed was that scientists before that believed that the universe was eternal, that it always was. And how that is, they don't know, but, and it gave them the ability to say with enough time, you know, anything's possible, evolution, but evolution's not really possible either because you cannot have one set of DNA information and translate into a whole new set. That's impossible. So evolution is not even proven scientifically. There's no proof of these things. But now we knew the universe had a beginning. Now think about that. Space, time, matter has a beginning. Well, it can't create itself, so now you deduce. You say, okay, so for space, time, matter to begin, and they're saying, what they're really saying is, if you had a videotape and you went all the way back in time, the universe would reduce, reduce down, because they know it's still expanding. It'd reduce down not to a basketball, not to a bowling ball, not to a pinball, or, uh, or not to a ping pong ball, not to a pinhead, but to nothing. So now you take that idea, space, time, matter begins, and so now you must deduce that, some, that a, a, a spaceless, timeless, immaterial, all-powerful, personal, because they made a decision to start this, intellect started this whole thing. He's spaceless, timeless, immaterial, all-powerful, personal, intellect. Now, you put all that together, and that's what we call what? That's God. What else could it be? And so science, not Christians, science point to that. Now, they're not going to say that's God, but that's the only thing they can deduce of what happened because now they know the universe had a beginning. Now, you take that. Now, I've got, now I'm talking to you across the table because you say there's no way. There's no way a man could rationally, okay, I got you. Now, I'm going to take you to the next thing, and I'm going to say this to you. And I've got to look at my notes on this one because there's numbers and percentages on this, and I want to get this right. And I'm only going to give you a little fraction. Now, now I tell the person, I say, look, have you ever noticed that this earth, that we're in this solar system, and we're in this universe, have you ever noticed that everything around you is tailor-made for your and my existence? Has anyone here ever noticed that before? Have you ever thought those things before? That everything around you is tailor-made for your life, for your existence? I'll give you some. These are just a few. There's just, there's so many. Now watch this. So I tell them, I go, look, oxygen. Oxygen on our planet makes 21% of our atmosphere. If they were 25%, fires would spontaneously erupt. We don't want that. If it were 15%, we humans would suffocate on this planet. 
oh gosh, we got lucky on that one, didn't we? For oxygen to be that percentage, we just we dodged a bullet right there. Let's take it further. The earth, do you know if the earth was a bit smaller, the solar wind would strip our atmosphere completely and we'd be like Mars, no life here. But if it was bigger, our gravity would be so strong and keep the atmosphere in, it would become so thick that none of us could breathe on the planet, no life. We got lucky again. Amen to that one right there. We just dodged another bullet right there. Oh gosh, okay. And then you go to the sun. The sun. If it were just slightly further away from the earth, all water would freeze. No life. It was closer to the earth. Well, we know all water would evaporate. No life. Got lucky again. Boy, it's just in the right place. And then you go to Jupiter. You have this big old planet Jupiter out there. And Jupiter's interesting because one of the things it does is it runs interference of meteors and asteroids that could hit the earth. Do you know why you're not walking around always looking at the sky making sure a meteor doesn't fall on your head? Because of Jupiter. It's the one that deflects them all away. It's got this massive gravity pull. So we sit there and go, we got lucky again. Thank you for Jupiter right there, right? And then you go the tilt of the earth. The tilt, it's at 23 degrees. You know that that's the perfect tilt? If it was altered at all either way, that the surface, surface temperatures of the earth would be so extreme, there'd be no life on planet earth. Well, we got lucky again, right? I mean, my gosh, we're getting lucky. All these things are fine-tuned, which is called the teleological argument. It's fine-tuned for our existence. So I take a person all that way and I show them, look, the evidence points to a spaceless, timeless, immaterial, all-powerful person, intellect, and that's God who created this thing from nothing. And then he fine-tunes everything, this, this, this God. He fine-tunes everything for your and my existence on planet Earth. And once I take them down that argument, whether they agree with me or not, they don't have to agree with me, but I take them down the argument, and now I say this. So since science points that way to this all-powerful being that we know is God as a Christian, then how tough it would, would it be for a God who created everything, who sustains everything, to raise one person from the dead? That's a no-brainer. That is so easy. I use the same, same argument when people say, oh, how could Jesus turn water to wine? Well, let me tell you. I go, that's a nothing. Compared to everything he's done, everything he's created, these are nothings. How could he part the Red Sea? Well, that's nothing. Let me tell you what he's done. Think about everything around you that you take for granted. And I take him down the same argument. And so for me, Christianity, and then, and then from there, I, sh I share with them, as most of us know as we teach here, that, you know, Jesus is a historical fact. He did exist. The crucifixion, historical fact. It's all in history. It's true that he was crucified. Historical fact. Many eyewitnesses inside Christianity, outside, they saw, they saw him. It's a historical fact. And so I take them all these directions. So my Christianity, not a blind faith. It's an evidence-based faith. It's, we have the evidence of it. So I do all that to take him to that place where could God bring a man back from the dead? Yeah, no brainer. Piece of cake. So now with that said, for anybody in this room or watching online that you go, I don't know how that could be. So hopefully you just digest that and you think about that because these are scientific facts that I didn't make up, Christians didn't make up, and more and more science is pointing to the existence of God. So with that said, let's talk about the resurrection this morning. Amen? Amen. Now, I'm going to do what I've done in the entire series. I'm going to take the story. We're going to be in Mark chapter uh, 16, 
uh, that narrative of the gospel in, in the resurrection. I'm going to give you three points. In each point, I'm going to give you the what. What exactly is happening? And then I'm going to give the application from the what of what's happened. We're good with that one? Good to go? Okay, here we go. Number one this morning. Number one, God is working out what we worry about. God is working out what you and I worry about. So let me read Mark chapter 16, verses 1 through 4, and it says this. When the Sabbath was over, Mary Magdalene and Mary the mother of James and Salome brought spices so that they might come and anoint him. Very early on the first day of the week, they came to the tomb when the sun had risen. They were saying to one another, who will roll away the stone for us from the entrance of the tomb? Looking up, they saw that the stone had been rolled away although it was extremely large. Okay, what's going on here? These women are walking to the tomb. Sabbath is over. It's early Sunday morning. They're walking through, and they're carrying a bunch of spices, okay, to the tomb. Just for the sake of time and everything, let's just call them the spice girls. Is that okay? <laughs> bad, Jim, okay, bad. But I'm gonna call them the spice girls, okay? Just for the sake of time. So the spice girls are coming to the tomb. Now, why are they carrying spices? Well, everything was hurried when Jesus was put in the tomb upon his death on the cross. And when you would take a body, you'd bury a body back then, you'd wash it, and then you'd wrap strips of cloth around it, and then once you put it in the tomb, uh, the family tomb, then you'd cover it with spices because the spices cover up the smell of decomposition. The body's dead. The women are coming early Sunday morning. They're gonna add more spices. That's why they're coming to the tomb to cover the smell of a dead body of decomposition. Now, that's the first trigger right there that tells you that these women who are followers of Christ, they were part of the group that followed him, plus the disciples who are out there scared and hiding, that's the first trigger that tells you that not one of them believed that Jesus was going to rise from the dead. None of them believed that. What they believed was that dead bodies stay what? They stay dead, that's right. Now, as they walk, let's continue the what. The what of it is, they have a worry. They have a concern. They're bringing the spices. And they want to know, who will roll away the what? Who's going to roll away that stone in front of the tomb? Because they'd carve these tombs out, and they'd carve these big old stones. The stone would weigh one and a half to two tons. Now, in Mark, if you have your Bible, however your Bible you have there, in verse 4 when it says, they saw that the stone had been rolled away. Well, New Testament's written in Greek. Mark, the word Mark uses here, rolled, means that it was rolled uphill. Now imagine that there, you carve the tomb out, you have the round stone, and there's like a groove they've carved out with a little curb there, and they have the stone here. When it's time, they undo the base, and it comes rolling down into place. Well, this stone, Mark says, has rolled uphill, one and a half to two tons. And so now we see, okay, something amazing is going on here. They're walking. And when they get there, the thing that they're worried about, the stone, who will roll it away, it's already been rolled away. So what they were worried about, God has already worked out. Now listen closely. Follower of Christ. If you're a follower of Christ, if you make, you name the name of Jesus as your Savior, you follow him, understand that your Father in heaven works out what you are worried about. Amen? 
Now let me give you a, a, a goofy Jim Del Campo illustration. How many know I like goofy Jim Del Campo illustrations? Okay, good. Okay. So about 15 years ago, my daughter wasn't married and uh, she says, Dad, my windshield wipers, are, they're bad. I, 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 can't see, uh, uh, it's, I can't see out of the windshield. Okay, okay. Because as, as a dad, I'm gonna, I'm gonna, you know, she, I'm, gonna t- I'm gonna replace the windshield wipers, right? It's my daughter. And so, but this time I thought, I'm gonna be a little sneaky. So she does, she's a cosmetologist, she's just here. So what I did was when she was at work and on a day off, I went down there and I measured the windshield wipers and I went to the store and I bought the windshield wipers and I come back and I replaced the windshield wipers and I did not tell her. So then a few days go by and obviously rain had happened here you know, and then she comes up and she goes, Dad! Dad, I go, what? She goes, it's a miracle. <laughs> I said, what's a miracle? What happened? She goes, Dad, it's a miracle. I go, what? What? She goes, my windshield wipers, God healed them. <laughs> or something like that, you know. They, they work, they're fine. I go, that is a miracle. And finally, after a few minutes, I just started laughing. I couldn't take it anymore. And I told her what had happened, that your dad went and did that for you because I knew you were worried about that. Now, the question is, as a father, why would I do something like that? Why would you do something like that? Because it's your daughter, you're a father, and you love your daughter, and you want her to be safe, and you're going to work out what she's worried about. Any amens on that one? Well, if I can do that as a dad, and hopefully I'm a loving dad, I have a father in heaven who's way better of a father than I do, and so when I put my faith in him and make him my God, he is always one step ahead of me, or actually 20 steps ahead of me, and he's working out what I'm worried about. That's why when I read Philippians, the New Testament writer Paul writes this, he says, don't worry about it, be anxious for nothing, but in all things by prayer, supplication, with thanksgiving, tell God what you need. Tell God what you're worried about. Don't tell him, oh, I'd like this. No, tell him what you're worried about. Tell him what you need. And then God will start working out what you're worried about. Any amens on that one right there? So we find that thing in the, in the tomb, in the first scene right here. Now, let's move on. Let's drill down deeper in this narrative here on Resurrection Sunday morning. And the second point is this. Jesus can make our lives better. Jesus can absolutely make our lives better. Okay, so let's look and read verses five through eight, and it says this. Entering the tomb, so the Spice Girls get there. Entering the tomb, they saw a young man sitting at the right, wearing a white robe, and they were amazed. And he said to them, do not be amazed. You are looking for Jesus the Nazarene, who has been crucified. He has risen, he is not here. Behold, here is the place where they laid him. Now, when he says the Nazarene, remember Jesus born in Bethlehem, but then when they were killing the babies when he was an infant, a toddler, they had to take him to Egypt to hide him. Then Herod dies. They come back, but they settle in Nazareth. Okay, that's why he's Jesus of Nazareth. That's where he's brought up. But go tell his disciples and Peter, he is going ahead of you to Galilee. There you will see him just as he told you. Verse eight, they went out and fled from the tomb for trembling and astonishment had gripped them. And they said nothing to anyone, for they were afraid. Okay, now, let's, let's talk about what's going on here. They get to the tomb. They're bringing the spices. The stones rolled away. God worked out what they're worrying about. They look into the tomb. They see a man in there. We know from other gospels, it's not just any man. It's a what? 
It's an angel. We also know from other gospels that there's at least two angels there. Somebody says, contradiction. See, the Bible, well, first off, no, it's not a contradiction. If there was four of us out here and there's an accident and the police interviewed us individually, we'd all have a different slant on the accident. Any amen? And they're all given the different slant and you put it all together, you get the full piece, you get the full puzzle. That's all that's going on. Not a contradiction whatsoever. And even if it was, which it isn't, does it affect the resurrection at all? Jesus still rose from the dead. So let's, let's get on the real deal here, okay? So now, so they get there and the man's in there and uh, they're looking for Jesus because they're gonna put the, the spices on the decomposing body. Jesus is dead. He's not there. And this angel says to them, hey guys, uh, look, I, he was crucified. This is, see the spot here? That's where he was. He's not here anymore. He's risen. And here's what I want you to do. I want you to leave here and I want you to go tell the other disciples, everybody, that Jesus wants to meet them over in Galilee, which is way to the north, the Sea of Galilee. Go there and it's there he will appear to them. Now think of what this angel is telling these people. He's saying this, watch. Death is here. Leave here. Go to Galilee. Life is there. Did you follow me on that one? Death is here. Leave here. Go to Galilee. Life is there. In other words, leave death and choose what? Choose life. Good, you're following me. Leave death and choose life. Now think, Jesus can make your life better. Now watch, 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 watch. I think most of us in this room have heard the term. The definition of insanity is doing the same thing again and again, expecting different results, but nothing ever changes. You get the same result. How many know that definition? Raise your hand. You know. Okay, good. The rest of you just learned that. It, it really has a lot of truth to it. It really does. And a lot of people do that. Now, <clears throat> a lot of people keep doing the same thing. thing. It's going to be different this time. It's the same thing. You're choosing the same thing. The angel says, leave death, choose life. What if? What if these ladies, the Spice Girls, leave and they go tell the disciples the news and they all gather together and they, that night and they decide, no, you know what? We're not going to listen to that angel. Tomorrow morning, let's all go back to the tomb, look for Jesus again. And they go to the tomb. And let's say the angel's still there hanging around like, you guys are back? And I said, and he says, I told you, leave here, leave death, choose life. They go, oh, yeah, yeah. And let's say they go back home and they say, okay, let's go back again in the morning. And they go back in the morning. They go back to the tomb. And he goes, what are you doing? And what if they do that every day, every day thinking Jesus is going to be in the tomb. But the angel told him, no, he's not here. This is death. Go choose life. And every day they do it. Every day. Would that be insanity? Yes or no? Oh, yeah. Because they keep doing the same thing, even though they're given better advice, better way to go, choose life. But they keep going back to the same thing if they did, if they did that. There's just enough people who do that. You ever feel like your life is in reverse? You got your foot on the gas. The car's aimed forward, but you put it in reverse. And you keep choosing the same things that cause you pain, cause you more pain, cause you more pain, and typically it's in one relationship after another or bad decisions financially or the way you view yourself, or all, it could be anything. But we keep choosing the same thing and the same thing and the same thing, and it never changes. We keep going back and looking for death. 
instead of choosing life. Jesus can make your life better. What were the women bringing? Spices. What were the spices for? Cover up the smell of what? Death. We do that. We do that. Oh, this, this time, it's going to be different. This, look, this is going to be different. No, it's going to be, the, and it's the same thing, but we tell ourselves it's going to be different. That's covering it up with spices, right? Trying to make death smell good. Oh, it's going to be different. No, it's the same thing. How many of us in this room know somebody that keeps doing that? Okay, that's it? You're not telling me the truth. How many of you are sitting next to something? No, don't do that one right there. Because that would be bad. It'd be a fight breaking out in this room. And Jesus comes to say, leave death, leave death, and go where there's life. It's time for us to quit making old decisions that keep leading us down the same insane routes. Jesus, if you put your faith in him, put your life in him, and follow what the gospel say, he can make your life better. Any amens? Let me take it a step further. Okay, so... um, the angel, he tells the ladies, he says, go tell the disciples and, louder, and Peter, oh, and Peter, to meet me in Galilee. Now, if you have no idea of the Bible, it's fine, you're going to start learning if you hang around here. Or you're brand new to the faith and you really don't know much about Peter, let me just explain why that is like a big deal. Peter, the night of the Last Supper, as they're walking, Jesus says, hey, all you guys, you're going to all fall away from me. You're going to leave me. It's going to get bad, you know, because the shepherd's going to get struck down. And Peter says, not me. I will never leave you. I will stand by you forever. Nothing, nothing can shake me from following you, even if I have to what? Die with you. That's what he says. This is one of the 12 disciples. And then Jesus gets arrested and he's, Peter's out there at the charcoal fire in one of the trials of Jesus. Peter's warming himself, and that servant girl comes up to him, remember? And she says, you were with Jesus, right? <laughs> That's Academy Award right there performance. <laughs> and Peter says, I don't even know him. I've never met him. I don't know what you're talking about. Now think, he just said, I'm going to die with you, Jesus. And then this girl says that, and he's like, I, I have no idea who he is. The moment he says that, Jesus had foretold that a, that a rooster will crow, and the rooster crows, and Peter hears it. And at that moment, it says in a different gospel that Jesus looks out the window, Peter looks through the window, and they catch eyes. If you're Peter, in that moment when you had told Jesus, I will never deny you, even if I die with you, and you just denied him, and Jesus just heard it, and the cock crowed, and you're looking at me tonight, how would you feel? Oh, that'd be bad, huh? You'd be feeling, I'm guilty, man. It says he runs out and weeps bitterly. So would I. Now, wait a minute. Don't forget that in the resurrection, the angel tells the ladies, go tell the disciples and Peter. Now, they go back. Can you imagine? They go, hey, guys, come here. Jesus is alive, by the way, but he's got some instructions from an angel. He wants us, he wants your disciples, and in fact, um, we're, Peter, Peter, you. He specifically said your name, wants all of us to meet him in Galilee, but specifically you. If you're Peter, what are you thinking? Oh, I'm busy that day. Uh, 
I got to get uh, I got to get root canals and all my wisdom teeth out and you know all the, I'd rather do that instead of seeing Jesus. What's in fact he's so guilty that when he does go to Galilee it says I'm going fishing. He goes back to his old way of life because he's thinking I'm so guilty God could never use me again. Ever feel that way? Ever feel that way? And that's what he does, and he gets there, and of course Jesus begins to reinstate this man's life. Now, let me, let me, let me, I, 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 let me try to illustrate it. I, I, I found this TV show that I'm really digging. That's like a 60s term, okay? Anybody remember Dig It? Remember Dig It? Okay. Raise your hand if you remember that. Old, 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 old. So, but the show's so boss and groovy, I just... I, Anybody remember those terms right there? Old, 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 old. Okay, so. And it's called History's Greatest Heists. They're mostly bank robberies. And they're interesting because obviously they got caught and they, they find out how they did it. And, it, well, there's this one. Oh, my gosh. There's this one in London. And the big building took up a block and on the corner was the bank there's a lot of loot in this bank in the vault and then there was a business here and a business here and the bank robbers who had the plan they had somebody rent out this space here and they went in there and fortunately there was all kinds of street we're going out here real loud so they went here and they start drilling 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 down tunneling tunneling and they're going underneath this business and they're going underground and there's all this work outside they're going and they come underneath the vault now the vault has sensors does it not but here's the thing with all the construction work it was shaking everything so the bank had to turn off the alarms the sensors so they got lucky on that one man okay so came that week when they did they finally got there and so Friday the bank closes it's closed all weekend and they get there they blow up the base of it they go inside they have a lookout outside everything's cleared and nothing's set off nothing they go inside and they start popping open the safety deposit boxes. And man, the, the load is bigger than they thought. Cash, jewels, it's incredible. And they're in there all weekend. They open up this one safety deposit box. And in there, they find some photos of a prominent politician in England in compromising situations. that person is being blackmailed because somebody's got the goods on them that person's guilty because somebody's got the goods on them the bank robbers leave the vault they go back out the photos they leave them on the floor faced up so the police could see them how many would have done that (laughs) don't lie oh yeah I get it you would have taken him with him so you could blackmail the guy but here's the thing here's the thing they left the evidence there of the man's guilt of his past guilt's a killer isn't it there are some of us in this room that guilt is so heavy on our lives for things we've done in the past things we regret in our life wish I'd I'd never did that why do that that people keep bringing up and throwing in our face and guilt's a killer it'll even lead you to make worse decisions in your life but Jesus came to make your life better. See, Jesus came, and in a sense, he tunneled here, and he went to the cross, 
and he allowed himself to be killed and his blood that was shed washes away all the guilt of your past. All the photos are gone. Everything's gone. If you choose to put your faith in Christ, other people can bring it up and throw it in your face, but you know what? You can go back to the cross and say, it's all under the blood now. And you don't have to walk around in guilt anymore. Jesus can make your life better. That's exactly what he could do. Now, with that said, let's dive into point three. And point three may be my favorite point today. And that's this. The resurrection is the evidence of your worth to God. Verse six again says this. And he said to them, do not be amazed. You are looking for Jesus the Nazarene who has been crucified. Next three words, say it all together. One, two, three. He has risen. I'll read on now. He is not here. Behold, here is the place where they laid him. So he is risen. Now, the what? Jesus rose from the dead. Because we have a spaceless time, a immaterial, all powerful, personal intellect that could name, you know, God, who can raise from the dead anything he wants to raise from the dead. And he has the power to do that. But the resurrection is the evidence of your worth to God. Now, my wife has a bad habit. You guys want to know it? She's infatuated with me. I wish that were true, but uh, it's not. Okay, just to set the record straight. But my wife likes to shop. Is anybody here married to somebody like that? Raise your hand. Just be, I want to know who you're in church, but you can be honest. It's okay, I'll defend you. Okay, I'm not defending you against any woman. Two hands, praise the Lord. He's doubly in trouble now. Two hands over there, doubly in trouble. Okay. But she, you know, she's not a big spender at all. She, in fact, I trust her completely. She's not like that. But she likes to shop. And obviously now with grandkids, if I ever lose her, I just go to the children's section, you know. That's where she's hanging out at, you know, with her peeps, you know. Okay, so she'll buy something, you know, she's in like a Marshalls. You know, first service, I said Mervyn's. Oh, I'm so sorry. I'm so sorry. Like, you don't know what that is or ever been there, huh? You know, some of you have no idea what Mervyn's is, huh? Who doesn't know what Mervyn's is? Young, 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 young. Just too young, okay? Okay, Marshalls and Coles, okay? Something in Ross and Ross. And so she'll buy something. Here's what she does. She'll buy something. She'll, she'll try it on there. She likes it. Takes it home. Try it on again. And then she decides she doesn't like it. She's going to take it back. Anybody married to anybody like that? What are your problems out there? So this is a common problem then, right? Looks good in the store. Looks bad at home. Am I right? Okay, so somebody else is going, mm-hmm, that's right. And so she, she does this. And, um, and so she's going to take it back. And so she takes it back. And I think it's a conspiracy. She puts the bag with the item in, in her car. She drives around with it. What, what's so funny about that? You do that to, who does that? It's a conspiracy. And so, but she does this. I'm convinced it gives her a reason to go back to that store. Am I right? 
you know, there's a marshals on the crossings over there. We, we could be in Bishop. Oh, I need to stop at the crossings on the way home, you know. But, okay, so gives her a reason to go back to return it. Now, all of you people that do this, when you take it back, you, they, the, the person at the counter wants to see one thing. What do they want to see? Oh, the receipt. So you know about this. They want to see the receipt. The receipt is the proof of purchase, is it not? Ah, it's the proof that you purchased it. Listen, hold the thought. Let me connect. Paul, New Testament writer, hated Christians. Then he saw the resurrected Christ, highly intelligent, highly educated man, and he becomes a Christian. He would write later on that you and I as Christians have been bought with the price, therefore glorify God in your mortal body. That you've been bought. What was, okay, well, what, was, what did he pay for? Well, it was his life, the crucifixion. He bought you and I. With, that was the, his life. His, he bought us to set us free from Satan, from sin, from guilt, from bitterness, from anger, to set us free from greediness, to set us free. He paid the price if you choose to accept. Okay, okay, okay. He paid the price. So, now we know that the receipt is the proof of the purchase, right? Right? But also, if you look at that receipt, it's not just the proof of the purchase, but it gives you the purchase price. The proof of the purchase, purchase is the, is the crucifixion. The proof of the purchase is the resurrection. The resurrection is the receipt that Jesus is who he said he is. But on that receipt, it says how much you're worth. And you're worth the life of Jesus. Have you ever thought like that? That that's what you're worth. And it doesn't matter what happened last week or 10 years ago or what family you grew up in or what. You are worth the life of the God-man. That gives you value, doesn't it? And if you would just grab that one for the rest of your life, it will revolutionize the way you think, the way you view life, the way you view yourself. Because that's what God did. That's the resurrection power right there. Now, let me finish. Okay, so, I, I tell this story. I use this illustration. Whenever I'm leading a trip to Israel and Trust me, I know some of you guys are asking now. I just wanted to make sure we're not going to go back to that COVID and close down Israel and everything's a mess. So for sure, next year we'll go to Israel. I'll lead a tour next year. We'll go. But when I get to the garden tomb, it's the last stop on the whole trip. It's like your 10th day there. And I share this. And if you go with us next time, and you heard it today, when you get there to the garden tomb, just pretend like you never heard it. Just go, wow, I'd never heard that before. But here's my illustration I use at the garden too. I'm a movie guy. And one of the great movies of the 80s is a movie called Back to the Future. Who has seen Back to the Future? I want to know, raise your hand. Some of you haven't? I gave you almost 40 years. I'm going to ruin it for you now. I remember I... I wasn't even born when it came out. I had to watch that video later on. 
So let me tell you the story for those who don't and those who do, just so you know. There's this family, last name McFly. Right there you know there's a problem, right? <laughs> Your last name is what? McFly? I mean, can you imagine first day of kindergarten? You're what? Okay. To their family, it, to, to say they're dysfunctional is a, like a massive understatement, correct? I mean, they're just a mess. I mean, the brother's like 40, works at McDonald's. The sister can't get a date. The mom is an alcoholic. The dad, remember the dad? He's just real, I don't know, he's just a little nerdy. And remember he's watching TV and they're all there. He's like, ah, 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 ah. Remember the way he laughs? That's his laugh, guys. I know, you almost felt like you're watching the movie, right? And then he's got so much grease in his hair. The brother, remember, kisses him on the hand. He goes, ooh, time to change that oil. Remember that one right there? It's just really bad. It's just like, this family's a mess. The only normal one is Marty, the son who's played by Michael J. Fox. He's the only normal one. So Michael J. Fox, Marty, he has a friendship with Doc Brown, the, the scientist. Doc Brown makes a time machine out of a DeLorean. Through long story short, my, Michael J. Fox goes back in time 30 years because the Libyans, the whole shot, 88 miles an hour, remember the whole thing. So he goes back in time and he runs into his parents, but he messes up the time continuum and he messes up them ever coming together. And now he will never be born. He's got to get them to date and to fall in love and to marry. So it's a problem. And so he tries this and he tries that. And Another's working, finally gets him on a date. And you know that one scene, he's got his dad, George McFly, who's just been just, there's a bully in the movie and his name is Biff. Isn't that a cool bully name? I feel like calling my grandson Biff, man. Biff, but he's a bully and he's always bullied George. And finally, that scene where Marty sets it up, where he's going to save Lorraine, the mom-to-be, and, and, but Biff shows up, all oh, messes everything up, and he gets George, and he has the dad-to-be. He's got him in an arm lock, and, you know, and Marty walks up, and he sees what's going on, and, 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 and Biff's got him and laughing, and, and Lorraine, the mom-to-be, she's in the car, she goes, and she goes, you're hurting him, and then all of a sudden, George, who's been just pushed around all his life, and he just, remember, he makes the fist? Anybody remember that? He makes a fist and he looks at Biff and he swings, wham, and one punch, Biff, knocked out, falls to the ground. Remember that? Awesome, huh? And then Marty hurries up and he's got to get back to the DeLorean, catch the lightning bolt, and he goes back to the future. And when he gets back to the future, 30 years in the future, he walks in the house and everything's different. His sister has boys calling her. She's the most popular girl. The brother, businessman, in a suit, going to work with his suit, briefcase. The mom, no longer alcoholic. The dad just got his book published. And Biff is out there washing their cars. <laughs> Everything changed. Everything changed because of one knockout punch in the past. Listen. 2,000 years ago, thereabouts, Jesus threw a knockout punch at Satan, at sin, at our self-centeredness. On the cross, he threw the knockout punch and he was resurrected to give us new life, to give you new life. Jesus can make your life better if you just let him. But you gotta surrender to him. 
You have to give him your life. It can't be your life anymore. He's God. He's the God-man. Don't you think a spaceless, timeless, immaterial, all-powerful, personal intellect who created everything, holds everything together, fine-tunes everything, don't you think they're smart enough to run your life for you? Of course they are. And it's been put down in this word, in the word of God, to show you the way. He can make your life better, but you've got to give him your life. It's not automatic. You can keep staying in reverse. You could probably have some pretty good parts of your life, but there's other parts you just can't get together. Be honest. He can make your life better because he threw the knockout punch 2,000 years ago to change your life for good. I'm going to give you an opportunity now. If you've never placed your faith in Jesus to surrender your life to him, if you backslid and you walked away from God to give your life back to him, I want you all to close your eyes now. If you would like to place your faith in Jesus Christ today, become a follower, surrender your life. Or if you want to rededicate your life because you know you're not living for God, come on, man. Jesus can make your life better. Not just in this life, but in the eternal life too. If you want Christ in that respect, in that way, I want you to open up your eyes and look up at me right now. And once our eyes meet, you can close them. I'm going to look around the room. Do it right now. All of you who looked up at me, with every eye closed, just got to be honest with you. I've been young and I've been old. And the older I get, the more this is not a game. This is not something to be taken lightly because your eternity is at stake. I'm going to lead you in a prayer. And you got to be real with God because God knows your heart. You can't fake this. You got to be real with Him. You got to mean business. You got to follow up on it. Otherwise, this is just talk. And everybody in this room knows talk is cheap. So if you looked up at me, if you looked up at me for salvation, here's what I'm going to ask right now. I'm going to lead you in a prayer. But if you looked up at me, if you're in business with God, you looked up at me, stand up to your feet right now. Just stand up. Go ahead, stand up. Come on. Everybody loves you in this room. Nobody's ashamed of you at all. Don't be ashamed of me. Stand up. Stand up. Stand up. Stand up. Come on. There were way more of you. Stand up. Don't be afraid. Come on. Stand up. Now, stay standing. Now, those of you standing, I want you to walk up, stand right in front. Come on. Come on up. It's okay. Everybody's on your side right now. Everybody's on your side. If you can't stand in this room, you'll never stand out there. It's just that simple. Now, I'm going to lead you in a prayer. Would you guys come and stand behind all these people here? I I just need you to stand behind them. And if there's not enough uh, counselors that you can double up, you know, females with females, men with men, do that for me. Now, I'm going to lead you in a prayer. It's a very simple prayer. But what you're going to do as you say this prayer is you're just going to put your faith in Jesus, not in me, but in Jesus Christ, the God-man, the one who loves you and came for you, the one who gives value to your life, the one who shed his blood to forgive you of everything in the past, erase all the guilt, everything. There's more people up here, Brenda, everybody, more up here. So I'm going to have you repeat this. Everybody here, would you, all Christians out there, would you repeat it with them? Yes or no? Okay, good. 
So here we go. Repeat this prayer after me. Close your eyes, repeat this prayer. Here we go. Thank you, Jesus, for loving me, for dying for me, that I could be forgiven, that I could have new life, that my life could get better. Forgive me my sins, and I know I'm forgiven. Come into my life. Today I choose to surrender to you. Today I choose to follow you for the rest of my life. Thank you for saving me. Now let me pray for you. God, thank you. Thank you that they had the guts and the nerve to follow up on a decision. So many people in society don't do these things. They don't have the guts and nerve to follow up on what they commit to. But we become what we are committed to. And I pray, God, I plead the blood of Jesus over everybody around the altar. Jesus can make your life better. He just saved you from eternal hell. And your name now is recorded in heaven. Did you know that? Because Jesus made the way. We thank you, Lord God, for your goodness to us. In Jesus' name we pray. And we all said, amen, amen. amen. Now, with that said, with that said, do you want to minister here or over there? Right here? I'm going to have you all walk this way with all these lovely people behind you. They're just going to talk to you for a few minutes and let you go. Don't worry. They'll be, we're not brainwashing them anywhere, okay? We're, we're not like that, okay? So everybody just go that way. Take them, follow, go that way. Take them, follow that way, everybody. They're just going to talk to you for a little bit and then let you go. Because there's some good next steps they're going to present to you for your faith to, to get your faith on track. Everybody, the rest of us, stand up, please. The rest of us, if you have a physical offering, remember, you can drop it at the doors right there. And uh, I don't want to forget this because I forgot it for service again. So you guys ready to repeat out loud after me out there? Okay, here we go. With gusto. It's Resurrection Sunday. Here we go. Lord, keep me outward focused. And fill me with your spirit. Give me the boldness to share the gospel with others. Open up opportunities to minister outside the church because I see what I'm looking for and make me into a generous person like you. God bless you guys. Have a great rest of your day. We'll see you at Bible study on Tuesday night. If you need prayer or dedicated your life to Christ, please reach out to us on our social media, on Facebook and Instagram at NBCC Norco, or email us at hello at NBCC.com. Thank you for listening. Don't forget to share and subscribe to this podcast.